0: Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp the founder of the queer femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Today, I am joined by my good friend Alexandra Blair, lead singer of post-wave alternative band The Silk War. Alex makes cinematic orchestral alternative rock that expresses her discontent with isolation, despair, self-doubt, and injustice. Alex and I discuss her evolving relationship with New York City over the years, how she expresses herself through her love of vintage fashion and classic literature, and why she refuses to ever write about love and romance. This was by far one of the most exciting conversations I've had for this podcast, Alex is a very charismatic and hilarious personality to bounce off of conversation-wise, so I'm very excited for you all to hear our chat. As usual, I would like to remind listeners that I am paying for the podcast out of pocket, so if you would like to help me continue to create more episodes and maybe buy me a coffee as well, Please consider donating to or checking out my Patreon at patreon.com backslash agirls2soundsense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Those who join my Patreon will get to unlock bonus content, including music-based film reviews with special guests, unheard and unedited conversations in podcast episodes, playlists curated by yours truly, as well as early access to some of my YouTube content. However, I understand that finances are tight for many people, so if you are unable to join the Patreon, I fully understand. All I ask is that you give the podcast a 5-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts, as that really helps me out in my effort to get the podcast in front of more people. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. <laughs> Would you like to introduce yourself?
1: <laughs> <laughs> My name is Alexandra Blair from the Silk War. Alexandra, the four syllables, for sure, because it's a power moving thing. I'm just kidding. That's the
0: sound bite immediately. Like, four seconds. <laughs> four syllables. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited to have you on. And Dude, thank you. I thought it would be good to start with how you first arrived in the city, what drew you here, and what did sort of the journey of getting here look like?
1: Sure. I I moved here when I was 17. I went to school for music, for singing, which is really funny because the people that I was surrounded by at music school were were definitely different for me, or I guess I was different from them, however which way you want to think about it. I moved to New York because there was no other option. I moved from Chicago, and I just wanted to be somewhere. I wanted to be surrounded by people that hopefully I could resonate with, people that actually wanted to hang out with me because I had no friends growing up. You know, it's not a sad story. Like, you know, I don't feel sorry for myself, but I thought maybe, you know, I could come here and kind of be like Patti Smith in that respect. I could just, you know, figure it out. And yeah, I've been here ever since. Yeah. And where did you go to school for music? I went to NYU. <laughs> Don't tell. <laughs> the kids who are ruining the city, who are ruining the fucking East Village. No, I'm just kidding. No, 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 no. Like I, no, I'm grateful for it. It was like, it was a really great education. You know, like, you know, I, classical music in general is, is a huge inspiration for me and jazz and all of that. And so to be able to come here and study that and go to a conservatory basically was like, you know, it really inspiring. But at the same time, like, you know, as much as I loved being in a conservatory environment, I was still going out every night and, and trying to figure it out and try, I was basically living a double life at that point. But I was also taking like a lot of comparative literature classes, which I, you know, as a singer, as it, it, it was always weird to me that it wasn't part of that major of vocal performance to not also learn about lyrics and learn about writers in that respect. I mean, you do a little bit with Tim Pan Alley and shit like that, but you know, if you have that instrument, the only instrument that has lyrics to your advantage, like you, that, that should be a part of the curriculum. And so I decided to do that as well.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that you're really inspired by classical music and jazz. Oh my god, completely! Like who are some of the figures that are you look to as like the pinnacle of your.
1: Inspiration. I mean, like like to to not start with Beethoven, I think is like super fucked up. You know, like that man, like completely understood. It's so interesting to think about that, like. You know, so many of his symphonies were deemed like, like unsafe for children, especially now. To, to me, he completely understood how to go into the depths. And, and, you know, I also love Debussy and Rachmaninoff. And, you know, like, I love, you know, like people like Bernard Herrmann, like his scores are like unfucking believable. To me, it's just like really, really, expi- like really inspiring. For jazz, mostly it's just like jazz vocalists. Like, like Ella Fitzgerald, I think like the first time I really like got into her shit, I like fucking blew me away how like her vibrato worked and the way that she was able to at like, enunciate. I think that's so fucking important. I mean, like, yeah, it's cool to, like, you know, totally wash your voice out with reverb and shit, but, like, at a certain point if you're writing lyrics that actually matter, you got to be able, especially if they're esoteric, <laughs> which is apparently what I specialize in, especially if they're esoteric, you want to make sure that people can, you know, figure it out if they listen enough.
0: Yeah, for sure. And how did, um, I guess, like, when you started writing initially, like, when did you discover that you had a knack for writing music?
1: I mean, you know, it's so funny. It's, like, my first band, when I was, like, (laughs) in, like, second grade, we decided to call it Jewel, and we were, like, oh, shit, there's, like, actually a chick named Jewel. Like, we can't (laughs) do that. But I was, I mean, I was writing lyrics in my bathroom, and I'm an only child. Like, I didn't have to write in my bathroom, but, like, I, I... I, you know, I just thought that you know I had to like put myself in a situation where I didn't want to be in my room. I wanted to put myself on like a cold tile floor and write about I mean like a, a, I mean, like who the fuck knows even what I was writing about. but I I have lyrics from when I was a child. even even from when I was like probably like even four years old, I was writing on on tablecloths and shit like that always. was it good? No you know, is it ever good? (laughs) But I, it, it, it was always a part of me in that respect. But in terms of like marrying lyrics with song, with music, I probably started doing that when I was like 10, but I really seriously started doing that when I met Jimmy. And then that was the end of it. Or I guess nice. the beginning, how you look at it. <laughs> 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 it's the world. To, yeah. it was, yes, it's the only it, way. this
0: was the year 2000, all the computers crashed.
1: And <laughs> if only. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: But, yeah. And uh, do you want to talk about, I guess sort of that at that point when that collaborative yeah. uh, working relationship yeah. started and sort of how that transformed
1: absolutely what you're doing. yeah so I graduated from college and I I didn't know what to do so you know I I wrote a series of short films and I you know like I I just like I didn't really know how to start a band or like how you know like I was writing songs by myself but like you know I I didn't really know how to get to the next step. And then I met this girl who introduced me to Jimmy. And between that period, there was like a six month period between when I graduated and when I met Jimmy that I was just, I was just completely broken. Like I was drinking every day. I was super fucked up every night, hanging out with people that didn't give a shit about me until 6 a.m. You know, I was, I was inspired and I was reading every day and writing. But at a certain point, you know, if you're, I, I needed to collaborate with someone. I needed to meet someone that I could work with. Not saying that, you know, I don't believe in myself at all, but I was, I was falling pretty deeply, quickly. And, you know, my family started realizing it. Like I was, you know, like I lost like a ton of weight and, and, you know, at a certain point, And I mean this from the bottom of my heart. When I met Jimmy, he completely saved me. And, you know, at that point, when you get into that habit of getting fucked up every night, I'm not saying I don't do that, you know, anymore. I don't get fucked up anymore. But when that's your only option, (laughs) you know, at a certain point, he was like, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this. And you have to get your shit together. And that's exactly what happened. And so at that point, he had a studio in Connecticut in the middle of the woods, in Roxbury, because he was obsessed with Marilyn Monroe, and that's where Marilyn Monroe lived with Arthur Miller. And I was also always obsessed with her. I think she's, like, one of the most, like, brilliant actresses, and also just, like, her her writing was fucking brilliant, the way that she spoke about depression. Um, Very
0: misunderstood.
1: Oh, my God, completely. I mean, you have to be super smart to be able to act that dumb, I must say. (laughs) No, but she – we, we, we really bonded over that respect and Sylvia Plath and the list goes on and on over, you know, like bad brains, you know, like we, there was a bunch of shit that we, that we absolutely enjoyed Sunny Day Real Estate, like we were talking about earlier, Radiohead for sure. And we just immersed ourselves into each other, into writing. And the, the, the writing saved me. And I think also in that respect to get away from the city, to then write about the city away from the city was the only way that I was able to function at that point without completely lo- losing it.
0: I feel like New York and the bleakness of the climate, especially in Manhattan, is a strong thematic motif that pops up in your writing.
1: Complete. Uh,
0: so, how would you say uh, your relationship to the city has evolved over the years?
1: It's a really good question. Um, I think, I think, like the biggest. The, the, the scariest thing, right? It's like it's this yearning, this need. It's this unrequited love. But at the same time, you know, there's that certain part of you, whenever you feel something that's unrequited, you feel this utter heavy indifference. And it's probably the thing that has fucked me up the most about it. But, you know, it, it's that – it's that – it's that thing you don't want to go to sleep. You want to stay awake because you're waiting for something to happen constantly, whether it's someone who's going to, you know, pick you up, who's going to, you know, say something and it's going to, they're, they're going to take you somewhere. You're going to find success or you're going to fall in love. You're going to be able to touch someone the way that you've never been able to touch someone before. It's that possibility that I think keeps you awake or that or wanting to stay awake. And unfortunately, that's a really unhealthy way to live. But it's literally how I've lived since the moment I got here. And I don't really know how to get out of it at this point. But it's also what inspires me and it's what drives me. But you have to be careful because it will swallow you whole. And it's happened to me before. Um, but you just have to like keep trying
0: For sure. And there do... It does get to points where, like, it feels like there is no bottom. Like, you just keep going. Oh, dude,
1: completely. Into the abyss. Completely. But, you know, like, my relationship to Manhattan versus Brooklyn, really... I, I, I mean, I cannot even begin to fucking explain. Because when I lived in Manhattan towards the end, right? So, like, I moved in 2020. I... I was surrounded by people who were fucking rich and who always said that they were going to do something, that something was going to happen. And that's how they walked around and that's how they made friends. But it was, there was nothing that was ever coming to fruition. There was nothing, you know, at a certain point, you're lying. At a certain point, you're not doing; you're just saying. There's, and I fucking hate inactivity. That's also one of the reasons I, I'm never inspired by happiness because I feel like it's inactive, <laughs> which is fucked, but it's true. Yeah. And when I moved to Brooklyn, it's different. There, it, 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 the, the, the artists here are actual artists. The people that I meet, I fucking love. The musicians here fucking inspire me. There's no competitiveness. There's no like. There, 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 there's nothing other than – it's a renaissance as far as I'm concerned. And as much as I love living in Manhattan and as much as I love the city, I'm not shitting on it at all. It, it it, made me who I am today. But at a certain point for the music scene, I, I, I had to leave. I had to leave because it was not inspiring me anymore at all.
0: Yeah. And – I feel like you're so right. There's such a vibrant community of people in Brooklyn.
1: Holy shit!
0: And they're actually doing. They're not saying yes. they're going to do anything. They're
1: actively doing. They're fucking shit up. Every no, they, night. It, yeah. they 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 are absolutely right. Exactly. As much as everyone gets fucked up, like that's great. That's fine. But at the end of the day, you know, like, you know, like I'm writing a book and and it's a stream of consciousness and, you know, like we come back and, you know, like, you know, like I share my writing, they they share theirs. It's not like, oh, no, I'm, I'm going to write something. It's like, no, I actually have something or this is my music right now. Like, like, let's get it or like, let's start playing, you know, like, you know, like I'll start playing, you know, piano and then we'll just like go off. It really is that fucking pure and it wasn't happening anymore in Manhattan at all. And I'm not saying it's not happening for other people. I'm just saying it wasn't happening for me. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, if your goal is to be – look, you have to write about what you know. And if what you know is a fabric of someone's imagination, then you it, it, it doesn't exist. You have to go somewhere where it's real.
0: Yeah, Exactly. Are there any friends you would like to shout out?
1: Oh my god, fucking of course. Let's fucking do it. I'm ready. First of all, Holly from Razor Braids is my fucking babe. That girl fucking inspires the shit out of me. I love her more than anything. Really, that girl. That that, that that girl. I I've had the best conversations with her. I've had the hardest conversations with her. But she she is always so inspiring to me. I think, you know, also like my friend Henry from Certain Death and Castle Rat. That dude is so brilliant. Like, he really is a musician and he always pushes me. And I, I think both of them, like, constantly inspire me for sure.
0: Yeah. Holly's amazing.
1: Holly fucking rules.
0: <laughs> yeah. He yeah. really does. Yeah. I was at her place the other night and to watch me be in the bathroom.
1: Yes, dude. Oh my God, that book. I died. Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting because, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy, who I write with and, and who obviously produces everything that the Silk War does, but you know, everything is 50-50 with us in terms of writing you know, he was, he was completely a part of that. Like he was, he worked really closely with Carlos D from Interpol and just like Interpol in general. You know, I think that book is fucking fascinating. And I think that the way that everyone was so fucking hungry and passing out flyers and shit like that, you know, I think it's really different now because of Instagram and, you know, whatever, but how can you not love learning about that shit? Also that, you know, growing up in Chicago going to Lollapalooza every year and smoking cigarettes and having everyone call me a grandma or whatever (laughs) and like smoking weed, which I do not do anymore. Not that I hate it, but like, like I'm doing it for you, not for me. Like you don't want to be around me, but, but like I, I, I I always went to go see like, like New York bands always. That was, they're, they're just the coolest. And the debauchery inspires the art, which inspires the debauchery and that circle is something that you know. I I don't think I can ever get out yeah. of.
0: And speaking of debauchery, like when that's incorporated into a performance. <laughs> like, yeah, like a lot of the crowd work that TVOD mm.
1: does. Oh my god, Tyler is also one of the one of like my biggest inspirations. I fucking love Tyler. He's like he's like a Bushwick Iggy Pop, a thousand percent. That dude rules, and I love the way he performs. I think he's really fucking original. You know, I've, I've played with him before. You know, we're, we're, we're both pretty wild on stage, but we do it in such different ways. And, you know, he never does the same thing twice too, which I think is really important. You know, I, I'm all for the theatrical, but I don't think that you should plan this shit out. It should be so organic. And I think that's why the Renaissance in, in Bushwick, in Brooklyn in general is what it is because it's original and because it's not you know, at a, a planned out scenario. Yeah.
0: And that's what makes it exciting.
1: Completely.
0: And I also like understand that you are like, you mentioned in passing that you studied some comparative literature and yeah. stuff and that you were inspired by Sylvia Plath. Of course. And the bell jar.
1: And the, oh my God. Uh,
0: you seem to really like be well versed in just the whole world of like modernist literature, I guess. <laughs> so, like, who are some of the biggest uh, like writers who inspire sure. you?
1: Yeah. I mean, I really like, I, I really just live within that 20th century zone, right? So, I uh, like everything from Nabokov to Jean Paul Sartre to Simone de Beauvoir you know i mean like right now i'm reading proust which is really fucking me up because i mean i mean and and, and i mean this in in the weirdest way is like you know there, there's certain things that i'm i'm reading in swan's way that it's like it's really really similar to the way that i i write which is not saying that you know i'm even remotely like at his caliber but there there are Similarities, but you know, I think the similarities are there only because I read. But you know, like I also love Dostoevsky, which probably Nabokov would fucking hate me for saying. You know, I mean, like Tolstoy also is fucking insane. I'm reading Rembo right now, and um, of course, you know, Baudelaire also. Like all of those French poets really mean a lot to me. Yeah, I, I you know you have to be a voracious reader in that respect. But it's, it's the only way you're going to get better at writing. It's the same thing with like, you know, like people like, oh, like, you know, what should I do if I want to be a musician? It's like, go to fucking shows. Go, go to shows. Watch. Listen. Be better. <laughs> <laughs> do more. No, I'm just yeah. kidding. No, but stay busy, dude. Like there's so, there's so much, there's so much to read. There's so much to know. Like literally just go to Strand and there's that one table right in the front of all of those classics. Like read all of them. There is no reason for ennui. There is no reason for boredom in that respect. I get it, you know, find it at a certain respect. You know, I am an existentialist. But, you know, you, you have to be able to feel like there is never enough. There's always more. Yeah. Always. Always. And
0: sometimes it can get almost suffocating when you discover <laughs> yeah. how much more there is.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. I, I mean. I, I mean. I, I absolutely. Right. It, it can get. It can get overwhelming. That's how
0: I feel whenever I try to discover like something new to listen to. Like, like- yeah with streaming and everything.
1: It, it is, but it, it's like it, it also like yeah. you you have to take comfort in the fact that you don't have an excuse. Exactly. You 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 have to like and, and I agree with you completely. But you, you know you, you you have to hold yourself accountable. Mm-hmm. You have to make sure that you do that and and as much as it sucks, you know, as, as you know, I think that's why I mean like I I kind of have, you know, this like I wouldn't say negative disposition, but I think I definitely am a realist. You know, you, you just have to realize that, you know, there's there's so much to know about what it is to be a human being and what it is to write something. And if you wanna be original, you have to know what was original before you.
0: Yeah. Also, I feel like your sound is very like it feels like speaking of originality, like your sound feels like it draws on like all of the best stuff to like make something new.
1: It's so funny, like the like I I love asking people how they describe my music, like not you, you know like like art is you know subjective whatever, but you know I, I love. I, I I always get something different, and that's the point. You know, I don't. If, if, if everyone said the same thing, I would be extremely fucking concerned. Yeah. You know, it might as well be music at that point.
0: <laughs> elevator music.
1: Oh my god, the worst nightmare. Yeah, dude. If soft boot up uh, music. <laughs> yeah, dude. If my music ever plays in an elevator, just fucking kill me. <laughs> <laughs> No, it wouldn't. Like, like literally, like, the elevator would stop.
0: <laughs> yeah. I understand that. Would you say that you're inspired by Stevie Nicks? Oh, my God.
1: Of course. Of course. What would you
0: say your connection to her, it
1: would be? You know, it's so funny. It's like, you know, you you, you listen to, to Dreams, for example, right? It's like two chords. <laughs> and you're like, how the fuck? You know, that's – therein lies the beauty of what – one melody and a string of lyrics can do over something so completely simple she I mean like not only in terms of like her the way she would move her fashion sense but just the way she would sing the what she did for women in general in rock and roll you know I to to me I can't I can't really think of anyone else that in, in that had that big of an impact on me except for maybe Patti Smith but just the way she sings dude like in Sarah you're the poet in my heart like holy fuck you, it, there, 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 is, there there is no instance of ingenuity at all uh, I I I don't know well I was gonna say I wish I could meet her but <laughs> it kind of scares me <laughs> but I, I I can thank her for a lot, for sure, for sure, especially the way that I write melodies completely.
0: I definitely saw I could hear those parallels a lot. Yeah. and I feel like also just I don't know that I don't I can't think of anyone else like that just who's graced our ears like with like you said, the melodies are so simple. Oh my God. And just as, just as, as a, as an entity.
1: Completely. she's So
0: powerful. Completely. Yeah.
1: I mean, like, even when she had her solo career and she had like all those chicks behind her that were all dressed like her. (laughs) (laughs) No, I fucking love it. Everything, you know, I, I think she's definitely more witchy than me. You know, there, you know, there's, there's that aspect of her that I really don't. I really don't subscribe to, like I don't like astrology, I don't like tarot cards, I don't like you know chanting or the f- you, you know what I mean like that, that that really isn't my style like I mean like you know other the the, the people that I admire you know like, like like also Chelsea Wolfe you know Chelsea Wolfe is you know like kind of more in that witchy realm and I respect it it's just like not who I am but there is that element of magic that I think that very few musicians have been capable of even remotely touching and I think she's one of them and. I can only hope that I could be within that realm.
0: I feel like in addition to music, you seem to be like a really advanced, like, connoisseur of fashion, being a store manager and everything.
1: Yeah.
0: And, like, I feel like the aesthetic of it all and, like, color is a really interesting part of, like, your world. I was wondering if you could tell me, like, a little bit about, like, what your relationship to just like v- the visual world
1: completely is. no, it's funny yeah, so so i I manage a store called the Grand Strip in Williamsburg. It's literally the best fucking binge store in New York. I do a lot of TV and film there. We do like a lot of campaigns and shit. I have a very very um I, I, I'm it, you know both worlds, both music and fashion are so intertwined and I think you know I, I know so much about it, but but really it's about it's about. It's like like being a historian at the end of the day, right? And I think that the way that you dress should completely describe who you are before you even open your mouth. And I think your music should also speak for you as well. You know, you know, as much as, you know, what if I like played you a demo and, and I said beforehand, well, you know, like it's not done, you know, all this stuff, you know, you could do that. But at the same time, your art, whether it's how you dress or what you make, it should speak for itself. And mine are completely intertwined. The whole thing about me only wearing black and white is completely based off of me reading existentialist lit. And I didn't grow up goth or whatever the fuck, not that I'm goth now. I never was, but well, I mean, like, obviously, like, you know, like, I, I I love goth music for sure, but I don't, I I don't describe myself as that. It's just, it's literally wearing black and white for me. It's, it's how I see the world. I don't like this gray area, this indifference that we were speaking up about before about being in Manhattan. I don't like that. Recently, like in certain, my like certain relationships that I've, that I've had or having problems in. It's the worst thing when you start feeling indifferent because you have no control over it. Don't fear hatred. Don't fear someone hating you. Fear someone being indifferent about you. And I think I literally live in that fear and I've started to feel that. But wearing the black and white, of course, it's inspired by, you know, 1960s fucking Fellini films and, and, you know, that like, Film noir, ultra dramatic aspect, of course. Like I'm drawn to that shit. Like you wouldn't even fucking believe. Like, literally, give like I'm Lauren Bacall and like give me Humphrey Bogart any fucking day. Like I want that. I I wish, but I just I don't see the world in color. I don't I don't think it's interesting. And I I literally wish that I did. <laughs> I I. I I feel emotional saying that, but, like, I literally wish that I did. I wish that I could find happiness, but I don't. I I only want to stay active. And for me, that is finding the good and bad in everything and never just bliss. I get not wanting to label anything. I get it. I get it. And I'm not saying I'm for it, but it is, but for me, I want, I have spent so much fucking time, thousands of hours reading shit, thousands of hours playing music, thousands of hours figuring out what I want to look like, what I want to wear. Label me, dude. Fucking judge me. Judge away. I want it. Do it. You want to know why? Because you know what? At a certain point, I'm painting the picture for you, and I think that there's power in that, and that's the only way that I can try to empower myself. And I'm not saying like you know I you know judging people, whatever. It's it it fucking sucks, but it's what happens. Yeah. And but you know that box that people want to put you in, you are the one. That should construct that box and not the other way around. And yeah. the way that you do that is you are incessant about what you love and what you don't. And yes. you, the only way that you can do that is by spending the fucking time figuring it out. And I'm still not done, obviously. Like, dude, yeah. like, oh my God. You know, I can't even go on a date. <laughs> 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 but you have to. You have to. Yeah. Absolutely. And I, and I think, for everything else, that's the one thing that New York can give you folded up in a fucking present with a big fucking bow. It teaches you that you have to be, you have to figure it out. You have to figure out who you are because no one else cares about you more than you do. Exactly. No one else is going to fucking figure it out for you.
0: Also, like, I feel like like you said, I love what you said about, like, how the box that people want to put you in, you have to construct it yourself because you can't just protest and be like, oh, don't put me in a box. I'm yeah. a complex, multifaceted human. You think that's going to stop them? Right.
1: <laughs> no, no, dude, like, go ahead. You know, yeah. I, 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 I like I, And I and, and Whenever, whenever I'm not in New York, I think this is the yeah. best way to describe. It. Whenever I'm not in New York, I'm not saying that I look that crazy, but whenever I'm not in New York and I go somewhere else and I go to a fucking grocery store, I, you know, I've talked about it before. I look fucking crazy and, and children come up to me all the time. All the time. They are so fucking confused. They think I'm a villain. You know, like, you know, like, no, but dude, like, villains always have black hair and green eyes, yeah. by the way. <laughs> but, you know, it's about playing in that into that magic. I'm not trying to be different. Yeah. No one wants to be different. No, but everyone is. Mm-hmm. So lean into it. Swallow it whole and then regurgitate it back for the world to see whether they like it or not.
0: Yes. It's the best way to suss out who you want who you want to stick around yeah. as well.
1: That's true.
0: And, like, for instance, if you go on a first date, like, and...
1: When? Oh, wait. What's that? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Wait, I live in Bushwick, dude. No. (laughs) You know, that's the thing about me, too. I, I come from this place, right? Like, I recently was kind of, for lack of a better word, rejected, right? And I tried to write about it. And I couldn't – well, no, I could, but it wasn't interesting, okay? And it goes back to when I first read Rainer Maria – excuse me, Rainer Maria Rilke's Letters to a Young Poet. And it's the best fucking advice I could ever, ever bestow upon anyone else from reading that, which is like never write about love or – that because you're not going to write anything that's going to be original or interesting. And, it, it, you know, that hurts. It probably, you know, like dismantles the entire pop <laughs> scenario, but I'm just kidding. But for me personally, when I tried to write about it, I was so dissatisfied. I was disappointed, you know, I was like a parent to myself. What the fuck is this? So instead of writing about being rejected, oh, Instead, I took myself out of it and you look at it in the sense that, you know, I'm writing about right now, my song is called Unrequited, it's new, but talking about my door being ajar, right? And when someone doesn't want to be around you, right, you think about... It's almost – and I'm not saying they are. Like they just like don't like me. But but it's like an abuser to an abused person, right? They know they're being abused and the door is right there, but they can't leave. Your surrender is bizarre. You know, that door is right there, but you cannot leave. Why? You have to take yourself out of that in order to realize what it is. And the moment that I did that is the moment that I was able to start writing again.
0: That's a really great way of, I guess, sort of divorcing yourself.
1: I love that. Yeah, well said.
0: The situation at hand.
1: I mean, dude, it's like, you know, in a certain respect, you know, I I have a hard time cultivating, like, romantic relationships because I know how emotional I am. I'm like, it, it really. Yeah. And, and because of it, like, I don't sleep around. You know, I wish I could. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of interesting that dynamic that, that, that to see, you know, the way that I dress, which, you know, is actually really provocative versus me not being able to actually have like a sexual relationship all the time because I'm worried about my heart, Yeah, you know, and, and because, because that inspiration for me is in, it doesn't bring, you know, the words to me. I kind of like fall back instead of push through. And not that I'm not trying, it's just, it's, it's almost impossible.
0: Yeah. And I totally relate because for example, I'm asexual and aromantic. Yeah. So when you grow up and you realize that, you're so you have these all these vivid fantasies of love and romance. Yeah. And you're so imaginative in your own like in your own like creative visions of like for cuz also I'm a writer so right. like it that plays into it a lot. Right. And but then you get to the actual like act of like kissing someone or like actually wanting to participating in the act of sex and you realize oh I'm really not into this at all yeah <laughs> And why is it just fine
1: and <laughs> yeah i mean i mean also yeah. you know you know as a as a writer you know i'm sure it's like you know it's like these these uh, uh, unbelievable expectations that you can have for what love and sex are um they yeah. they you know they, they never add up unfortunately and even if they do it always ends Again, not trying to be negative, just being realist that, you know, nothing is finite. And so that's why it's so easy to instead just listen to the music you know all too well. Yeah. Or read that book that, you know, did something to you that made you move to New York to begin with. Yeah. Right? Because that's something that you can rely on that is always there that you can pick up and you can put down. Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think it's mine.
0: Yeah. And I feel like just the way that all of this stuff is spoon fed to us. Yeah. And the way that we're raised and all of these like promises that adults use to console us. And then you grow and then you actually get older and you realize you told me it would get better but right. why am I having suicidal ideation once a week no, now that I'm 20 No
1: no it's true it's it, yeah it's not a white picket it's like, fence it's, it's so not, it's like it's yeah. a cage It's also interesting you know yeah. in general like like we were talking about Sylvia Plath you know she was always writing a, you know kind of against marriage against the institution and you know then she married Ted Hughes and you know of course that that went south you know when you look up to these particularly women that speak out against something, you know, even Simone de Beauvoir, her relationship with Jean-Paul Sartre, right? They had this crazy relationship where they weren't together, but they were together and he could have as many lovers as he wanted. But there's always this kind of thing with her where she kind of wanted him, just him. And when you read about that, these people that you admire and, and, they don't have it the most brilliant fucking women you're you're kind of like well if they tried and they didn't ex- su- they didn't succeed why would i which is a dangerous way to go obviously you know uh, everything is relative pain definitely is relative love is you know uh whatever it is i don't know let me know but <laughs> i i i don't know anybody No, my best friend, Kate and Henry, they will probably get married, you know, my best friends. But, you know, for the most part of people that I know, no one has any luck with it. Nobody, but, you know, it's kind of like, do they even want it really? Mm -hmm. And the answer is I'm not sure. So someone asked me last night if I ever wanted to get married. And how can you even answer that if you haven't found that person you know, I. You know, you you know, you can go off about you know how it's you know like a uh, you know how it's you know a piece of paper and it's you know like mm-hmm. is the government controlling you and shit like that. Of course, a yeah. contract. That's a better way to put it. Yeah. But you know, my parents were really happily married, and but it just it doesn't excite me because I haven't found anyone, and I would love to, but I think just to like, as a girl to be – I mean, even – I remember, like, maybe a couple of years ago, I went into, like, a Toys R Us. There's a fucking section for, like, marriage toys. Oh, my God. No, it's so fucked up. They have, like, a veil. They have, like, all this shit. Like, literally, it, it's – you are you are being pumped with all of this shit at a very young age. And I get it. I get why. It's the fantasy. And, of course, you know? Yeah. And, you know, it's a capitalist structure or whatever. But it's, like – that's your one day to be a fucking princess.
0: Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Ew.
1: <laughs> I mean, you know, like that—that—that—that—that only—that only inspires me to ask the question. Like, you know, you know, that, that people have asked me before. Like, do you think everyone is an artist? Yeah. And I think that that kind of answers it. I think every, you know, as much as you know, some people are more talented than others, and I don't think being an artist means you want to be applauded. I do not yeah. think that. But I do understand the, the need to be understood. And I think that in a certain way to be understood is to receive applause. So that's really interesting.
0: What did your Spotify
1: wrapped look like? You know what's so fucking funny? My Spotify wrapped, it was fucked because it's like completely attached to my, to my, it's like what I play at my job. So at my job, I, I play a lot of Jackie Gleason. Like he, he did all of these unbelievable, like, he, he conducted the most amazing, like, 60s orchestral shit and, like, Les Baxter and stuff. So, like, so, like for the three days, it was literally Jackie Leeson, who's an amazing Jewish comedian that I used to listen to with my father in the car, who then became, you know, like I said, but Jackie Leeson, Les Baxter, and then Radiohead. Radiohead won, for sure. Radiohead was still in there. Radiohead will always be my favorite band of all time. Radiohead will always be, to me, the greatest band that ever existed, Tom York like, literally changed my life. So those were the three.
0: <laughs> and there, I feel like one of the few, like, when you think about it, like, when you think about Radiohead, you don't consider the, when you think about One Hit Wonders, you don't think Radiohead. No. But they literally were a One Hit Wonder, but they feel like some, one of yeah. the few One Hit Wonders who have fully, who have done so much that, yeah. like... They fully transcended and
1: shed that skin,
0: like they, like you could never like refer to them as that because they're fucking radio, right? Right,
1: like, right true. Know, like, no, it's so interesting. No, no, you're right. I mean, like with Creep, right? Like they didn't. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean did they have that full with the Hollies? Like I, like I'm, like I'm sure. I think I, I, yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, I, I agree. They were able to completely transcend and, you know, it wasn't like a Madonna scenario where it's like, but they were able to, well, maybe it kind of is in like a weird fucked up way, but obviously they do it in a way more eloquent way. <laughs> but each record, I mean, God, I, you know, I remember the first time I sat down, I was like, okay, I'm going to listen to OK Computer. And I was, this was a really a long time ago. But I was almost, like, I was so intimidated to even start listening to it. And then I did. And that was it for me. And I've seen them live. And, you know, it's, you know, it's like when your favorite bands play that, like, random song. And they, it's almost like they play it for you, geniuses. And there is no greater band in this world, as far as I'm concerned. But, you know, it's, like, what what they do so well, which is, like, what, what I try to do with my music, is that, you know, they'll start in one like, – like, Body Snatchers off of In Rainbows is a really good example. Like, they'll start in one place, and then all of a sudden, it'll just open up, and it'll almost become, like, a completely different song, but it's not – it's – you know, you moving towards something else. That was the biggest thing that I learned when I was in school for singing for music. You know, they always told me, why are you singing the second verse? Why are you opening your mouth again? Why are you continuing to sing? What's the point? And I think that Radiohead figured that shit out. It's, you know, when you're having a conversation or you, 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 you come to an epiphany, you would hope, you know, when you're trying to figure something out. And I think that. There, there, there's no greater inspiration for me and I do do that with almost every song. That's why I like you know, like I don't like writing choruses, I like writing outros. <laughs> outros to me are it. Oh my god. And who has better outros than fucking
0: radio? Literally
1: no one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Even the outro to like national anthem, they're just like, literally go fuck yourself. Here's like a jazz outro. Fuck you. <laughs> By the way. Absolutely,
0: yeah. I'm curious at all. Were you ever did you ever have a pop punk or my face? Oh my god,
1: dude, absolutely. Are you fucking kidding me? Look at me. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess you can't listen to me. No, I oh my god, of course. Like I was so I was obsessed. I mean, look, I was obsessed with the starting line. I was obsessed with taking back Sunday. Like, no, of course. Like, like like I love Newfound Glory and shit. Like, dude, I fucking absolutely that was that was really how I got into, got into music. And, and, you know, my friends and I, we would, we, you know, we'd like buy all the CDs, like, well, whatever, how old am I? But like, (laughs) but I remember like, I'll never forget it. My, my one friend was like, oh yeah. Like it was like, you always had to know the new pop punk band. And my friend was like, oh yeah. Have you heard of like Big Toe? And I was like, oh my god, I fucking love Big Toe. Like, they fucking rule. Well, Big Toe doesn't exist. And <laughs> she like, and, and I was like, I was destroyed. I was cancelled. Like, literally cancelled because I didn't know fucking Big Toe is fucking bitch. I hate her. <laughs> No, but, but that's, that really got me into reading, actually, and like listening to everything because I was like, I don't ever want to feel dumb again. So I'm going to absorb everything so that when someone asks me if I know about something and I don't know it, I will feel secure enough within myself to say, Oh, I don't know that. What yeah. is that? You know, that, that, that's probably the biggest, like, It's probably my favorite thing about myself, actually, is that when I don't know about something, I am not afraid to say that I don't know about it.
0: Yeah. And it's so important to get to that comfortable place as well. Oh, my God. The torture.
1: Big toe. Never fucking forget, dude. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: Literally never forget. I love how you name drop Taking Back Sunday. Like, oh my God, I you have to. I literally, I listened to Cute without the E
1: yesterday. Oh my God, of course. You know who else I fucking love was The Used. I was so obsessed with The Used. Like, Blue and Yellow. I, uh, oh my God, dude, like, to this day, I, uh, that song, like, completely changed me. You know, I mean, like, also, I was a huge Dashboard fan. <laughs> Like they kind of like I mean like he kind of sucks, but I love him.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, Chris, yeah. yeah. His lyrics, like yeah, they're like brand new levels. Yeah, of, right, of, exactly. Of a little, yeah, of creepy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh
1: my god, right? No, true. But yeah, no. I think I think like I think the used and the starting line for me were my favorite. You know, and then I really got into Death Cab, and you know, I remember when Transatlanticism came out, and I saw it at Palooza. and that like when the record came out, but I was like, oh, there's no way they're going to play it on stage. There's no fucking way. It's a fucking eight minute song, which, you know, you know that I am obsessed with. I was like, there's no way they're going to fucking play it. And they brought out this like baby grand, white baby grand. And Ben Gibbard like sat down and played it. And I literally smoked 20 cigarettes within that eight minutes, if that's possible. And I cried. And that was when I was like, that's what I want that, that kind of music, that yeah. kind of song, that to me, that's what I do now that completely changed my life. You know, same thing when I saw the, you know, like when, when the suburbs came out and I saw Arcade fire also play La Bluza. like it was over for me at that point.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember sadly, like I was a little like late on the train to like, a, like a, I, if I was born, maybe Three years earlier, maybe I could, or or maybe five years earlier. I could have been like a zillennial. So I sadly like missed the boat of being the age where I could have had a MySpace account.
1: Right. Oh I I I I had one at the very tail end. Like I think I had it for like a year. I did I had no friends. Just like in real life. I love that. Like internet (laughs) imitates life. It doesn't do that anymore, but (laughs) I for sure did it for me then.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But yeah. So the way I absorbed a lot of that shit was just through osmosis because it was by the time that it was everywhere. Like all that hot topic core like chemical romance. A lot of my friends were theater kids like which I regret to inform people. But they were obsessed with early panic at the disco like when Ryan and Spencer were still in the band. Yeah. It wasn't just the Brendan Urie show. Oh my god. Um, Ew. Ew. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Literally.
0: Yeah. What a time that was. I
1: know. I know.
0: Just – and what's so interesting is, like, what are your thoughts on, like, how so many people are just, like, reviving – like, how there's so many revivals happening at the moment? Like, nostalgia is kind of, like – it's kind of like a
1: circle now. So, look, I work in vintage, okay? So, you know, everything is cyclical, whether it be, you know, in, like, trends with music or fashion, whatever. I think it kind of pains me a little bit that – um Right now that there's a revival of something that happened 20 years ago, you know, mostly for me, like I loved in the eighties when there was like a, like a forties revival or in the nineties, there was a sixties revival and the twenties revival. You know, I think that, you know, especially now because we have access to everything, I wish that the revival could have. You know, it, it wasn't twenty years. It was like a little bit prior to that. I wish, yeah. you know. I mean, I mean, I think we. The only way we really see that is like with Greta Van Fleet, for example, yeah. which is obviously is seventies revival. But and for also, the m-
0: it's getting shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. And there's an
1: Indy sleaze revival, which is like ten years ago. <laughs> yeah, I it like. Look, I I, 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 think it's lame. I, 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 I do. I, I think it's lame because literally, you are the generation that has everything at your fucking fingertips. And I wish that it could just go a little bit beyond that, but, you know, I'm, it probably just sounds cynical, but I think it's because of how I, I I literally, when when I see revivals at my job, when I literally see it in the clothing and it's, and it's, and it's meant to be a celebration of it, but it's also, you know, it made it better, right? Like when there was all that Victorian revival that was happening in the 1970s with people like Gunny Sachs, you know, like, you know, um, you know, like, sorry, brands like Gunny Sachs, you know, that was so fucking exciting. And to me, this is just like a bastardized, watered down version that doesn't have any ounce of originality to it. You know, I think that that pop punk thing that happened, you know, when we were teenagers was fucking sick. But I think what's happening now is just like, I I don't think that it has that original heart. And, yeah. and, and, and. and You know, the way that it was different, the way that it would like scare your parents, you know, I I don't, I don't think it's like that at all. The
0: the parents are the people who grew up in that generation now.
1: (laughs) Dead. Yeah. Yeah,
0: They're parents now. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Right. I just, I think if you're going to revive, it needs to have that air of originality. It needs to be inspired. And, you know, I don't think that like having Travis Barker play drums for you makes it, you know, exactly. (laughs) You know, ma- makes it that way, dude. I fucking <laughs> love Languinated yeah. too. Like, don't fucking get yeah. me wrong. Also, miss you. Like, 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 like that. Like, that's yeah. a fucking great song. Like, wow. You know, I remember like watching that, watching that music video, and you know, they have like, you know, like the. You know, it, it, it was fucking beautiful. It was goth as shit. I love that. It was you know. Goth as shit, yeah. yeah, yeah, dude. It's like you know, like almost almost as goth as like Robert Smith like laying in a bed like looking at a cobweb like yeah.
0: <laughs> you you know? a spider yeah yes
1: you know i i mean i mean i mean i thought that shit was cool but you know i think from from an outside perspective for you know from styling uh, from what i do i just think it's kind of boring
0: i guess like in, on this next record what have you are you a person who listens to music at all while you're making music? Cause I feel like a lot of artists tend to get like that I've spoken to at least. I don't want to speak for them have told me that they tend to get so burnt out on listening to music when they are making music. Mm. What, what are your, when, when you're listening, do do you listen to music while you're creating
1: music? That's a really good question. I like, I, so, so when I write music, right, you, you always have to have a reference, right? So, Right now we're working on a song. I'm, you know, I'm listening to a lot of Bjork because it's, because that's the reference. But for the most part, when I'm writing, I try not to listen a lot. Same thing when I'm, when I'm writing, don't like to read a lot because whether you realize it or not, you know, it, your subconscious is at work and, and it will, it will bleed into your work. And that's not a bad thing at all. But, you know, I think that you have to marinate beforehand for me, I will say. No, I'm not saying that anyone else should. But for me, I need to marinate beforehand. So, you know, what's inspiring me now, like, for example, like our, our new song, It's Getting Late, you know, the we we use the chant, like, lock her up, and we put it backwards. And that's the beginning oh, wow. of the song. And it's – You know the 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 idea is based off of an an Edgar Allan Poe short story of how the insane take over an insane asylum, which is exactly what I think is happening in our political climate, unfortunately, on the right, or you know any extreme really, but you know like obviously the right. And so, yeah, there, there, there should always be references. I don't think it should be empty. I do think that you should take from what, you know, from what, from your personal life for sure. And I do think, you know, having certain references are extremely important, but for the most part, you know, you take that reference and then you let it, you put it down and then you pick up your instrument yeah. or, you know, your pen. Yeah. When, when you hear the locker her up chant lock her up, excuse me, chant, Backwards, it sounds like applause and, you know, going back to what we were talking about before, you know, it's the misunderstood chanting something in rage over something that they don't know anything about, you know, it's the applause of the ignorant and to me, it's fucking terrifying and so my weapon is my art and so I will use their weapon and mess it up and fuck it up and make it my own. I love that. And
0: is there any, before we close out, do you have any, like, shameless plugs that
1: you'd like to... <laughs> Don't listen to me. Don't fucking follow me. Don't... <laughs> you want to be fucking bored and sad. You fucking- No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. You know, we're on Spotify. Like, definitely check out our shows. We're going to be playing at Brooklyn Made on January 28th. And you can follow us at the silk war and my personal account, if you like want to laugh sometimes maybe is at Alexandra underscore Blair one, but really, yeah, just check us out on Spotify and on Instagram.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much joining
1: me dude thank oh. you and I'd like to thank Parliament Cigarettes for sponsoring this <laughs> podcast you can this call me also fucking Ace Hardware Parliament. Parliament and Ace Hardware you fucking assholes no no but they <laughs> <laughs> fucking call me
0: <laughs> this is how podcasting works by the way like we just say it and now they have to give us money
1: <laughs> <laughs> love it
0: Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy, and thank you, Alex, again for joining me today. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girls 2 Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're interested, consider donating to my Patreon at patreon.com/backslash a girls to sound sense. That's girl with three R's and no I. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy.